0: Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly. So if you want to learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode and we'll see you there. We're back. Yeah. We're back Hot Breath baby. Live. Q and A every Tuesday. And our facebook group and youtube channel we're live so we if people are, are listening there. to the podcast you missed this <laughs> but we're here we're two working comedians here to help answer your comedy questions joel byers what's your name
1: yoshi so is in the building yoshi
0: so We took a week off, and I posted an episode. I did an interview with the booker of JFL, Neil Bansel, So that's available on the podcast. Last time we live streamed, Yoshi and I were about to go do a show with uh, Hot Breathers. The Hot Breathiverse booked us out in Charleston. Aaron Locke and John Kuzma. Yeah. We got to go out there and do a killer show. Yeah, that was fun. And amazingly yoshi two for two this past week you did another hot breath show yeah Bobby Sutton and show. joyce lyles run a show and uh, i've done it before and it was great and um yeah. obviously you didn't i'm sure it went great how was your experience there fam
1: it was really good dude it was a good show they had a set up a good vibe i mean just like well run organized um just an overall good show uh small place but like super intimate and i like that because the jokes hit a little harder when you can see literally everybody who's laughing with you you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying so like that i kind of it's been a while since i could see every you know we're tall like i could like everyone is literally maybe three feet away so (laughs) like at the most so like Just that kind of intimacy at a show was was like, oh, yeah, like this is if it felt like getting back to the old school grind of when I started, but (laughs) much better in the sense of like, but much better in the sense Uh of like, oh, I'm like seasoned now. Like it didn't feel as scary. It was just like, oh, these are my peoples. And it was just a good, fun, great show, dude. Oh, awesome.
0: you can like handle it now, is what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. 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 Before I be like, I just do the joke and like not connect. But like, this was like, you have to connect. They're literally three feet away from you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So like, it's just a different kind of vibe where like you can't not address how close we are to like everyone and the laughs hit different when they're that close but the people were there for the show they were into it all the comedians that were on the show crushed and it was just a great show all around man i had so much fun bobby and joyce put together an amazing show it was awesome yeah i love
0: that i love when i did it like bobby was talking about how it was them listening to the show and them hearing about oh Go create your own opportunities. And this was them like putting into action what they've learned from the show, which was really inspiring to see.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh she, oh my God. And yes, <laughs> Bobby. She said the couple
0: that. that brought the kids this from the live chat, for those of you who listen oh, to the podcast and didn't join oh our live I mean, stream this week.
1: So there, there were kids at this show that not at a brewery. Clean. Not clean show. Yeah. At yeah. a brewery. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I want to say there's maybe about four comedians, maybe five comedians on the lineup. I mean, each comedian just went in on uh-huh. on the on the on the couple that bought their kids. Uh. And these like, and it was they weren't small kids. But they weren't like, they were like, maybe 10 to 14. Two kids, they had to be in between that range 10 to 14. They were not mm-hmm. like, High schoolers, or anything like that. These were like right middle school age kids, and we just kept going in on them. And then they left right before me and the last comedian. And man, I had so many roasts for them. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, I was, I had some stuff in the chamber, baby, but it was fun all around.
0: I thought you meant, I thought it was like kids and like strollers, but this is like middle schoolers who 100% did not want to be there.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) This was
0: like their punishment. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think they probably like, I don't know whether they had like a trivia event, like early on in the day and the parents were just like, I got to sober up. So we just gonna have to stay here.
0: (laughs) Uh, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and the kids are just stuck
1: but yeah yeah the kids are stuck and the, and they can't drive so you know <laughs> what you going to do <sighs>
0: <laughs> yeah you'd never expect kids at a brewery late at night yeah. even but middle yeah middle school that's another level i've seen like younger but middle school that's like painful because they're like they're aware of what's happening and just how
1: bad it is yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they enjoyed it. I mean, they didn't like, they actually didn't like heckle or anything like that. It was just like, just a very obvious scene where you see oh, kids in a brewery. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that's positive. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they weren't Happy disruptive. Yeah, <laughs> Bobby mentioned. You could tell the dad was ticked off because we kept going in on him. Like, it was very much like, us roasting parents <laughs> for bringing their kids to a brewery dude like that's hard not to roast yeah that's true yeah
0: oh uh, yeah. nice and i think after I like that.
1: roast number 16 he was like all right i'm gonna have to make my way out of here
0: no <laughs> uh, yeah before you got up there they could tell dude, i was gonna go in <laughs> Yeah, I think well, yeah. When I did that show, it was they were pretty saucy by the end. People were pretty drunk by the end. <laughs> um, yeah, it was like a frat house in there by the time I got up. But that's hilarious. It all went well, but it was a yeah, lot of yeah, yeah. shuck and jive,
1: you know, bob For and weave. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, I w- I would say one of my favorite things about the show is just like. The environment that was set. I mean, first of all, it's very awkward, and you don't have a host. I don't know if that was the same for you, but there's no host. It's just a DJ that's bringing you up, and so like, Mm -hmm. just the in-between time of just music and then comedian, music, comedian, music, comedian is a little different vibe than what a host set. But like, just each comedian just like rocked it out, and then it was just like you could just tell there was different energies in the room, but they kept enjoying the comedians as they came up and it was just like a good like crescendo to myself to be like, okay, now the headliner. Now let's have like, it was like, like your point. Now it's time to party. Yeah. And that was like the vibe.
0: Yeah. And we, we got some fun. questions rolling in here, but the, yeah, that is a good point about like being aware of the room and the environment and what material, may be more fitting or what kind of energy may be more fitting for that specific vibe so i think that is a big part of being able to kind of adapt to any room and that does take time but a good thing i like to do that i now it's more of it's just more like automatic now when i go in a room i'm automatically looking and thinking these things but i know early on i would be like all right what is the what is basically the context of this room like what is the date what is the time what is the part of town you're in like is it a tuesday at 11 in a bar where people aren't expecting comedy is it a friday at eight where people are there in jazz did they pay did they not like are they Mm -hmm. drunk what are other comedians doing like what is working what isn't like there's so many different things you want to kind of take the temperature of the room and that can really help kind of guide your performance overall it takes time but it's good to start thinking in those terms of like you're kind of like just looking you're like neo looking at the matrix of like all right well what what is happening here really in like ones and zeros so you can really start to kind of create a performance that's actually gonna translate and be a little more um adaptable
1: yeah i think like It's funny that you mentioned that because i feel like i do that naturally now whereas before that didn't come naturally like i would just go up and just all right here are these set jokes that i've practiced Mm, forever yeah and like i think i I forget it might have been neil what's what's his last name neil that does comedy here in town ready yeah neil ready i remember seeing him early on and he always did a thing where he always his first joke was always something about the last comedian. Mm. And he like, had the audience in his hands before he said his first joke. But as soon as he did it, it was just like, oh, they're with me. But also, I mean, in watching that now, like, I'm like, oh, what a brilliant move to push, put off that you're being present and not just delivering jokes. So to your mm-hmm. point around just like, you know, that space in that brewery is very unique. It's not your normal type brewery. right? So I definitely like just looked around and just called out the things that I saw. You know what I mean? I think I, I literally had like a four minute bit on the fact that they had a printer in the middle of the brewery. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. just like it was just there and it was just <laughs> and, I mean, and I like thought to myself, oh, this is where the locals go when they need to print something, because I don't know anyone else who has a printer at the house. It was just like such an obvious thing that was and it was it was like a small printer. It was like a big old printer mm-hmm. in the middle of their brewery <laughs> like, next to where they brew beer. And it was just funny, I mean, you know, I went off on it and like everyone, like to your point, it got the crowd like, oh, he's paying attention to exactly what this is. And that was before jokes. So it was just yeah. Sort of like, yeah, I think like now we kind of do that naturally. Whereas before, mm-hmm. I think we were just very set on, you know, this is just, we're just gonna do jokes. We did that in Charleston. I think we both That's talked about just thinking, yeah, the heat. We both talked about the train station.
0: In the Uh, backdrop. Yeah, there's like a train station in the backdrop. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, it's hard not to because you're like, all right, this is different. I know you guys know it, but this Mm -hmm. feels different for me kind of thing. Yeah.
0: Like I had loud motorcycles drive by (laughs) in the middle of like my set. So it's like being able to adapt and then comment on that. Something that's in the room. It's kind of an elephant in the room now. So it's like addressing it. It creates it creates a more organic connection with the audience. So you're not just like reciting jokes as a monologue, but you're having more of a dialogue with the audience.
1: Yeah. And I, and I was on that stage with a jacket and the people in the audience were just like, you look like you're suffering. And I just felt sweat coming down my face. I was like, Oh, it's hot hot. as hell right now. So (laughs) hot, dude.
0: So (laughs) hot. (laughs) <laughs> but a great show. Oh, it was an
1: awesome show. That was so So, fun.
0: hot crowd, hot, hot show.
1: Crowd. Hot show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was super but, fun, too. That yeah, was just
0: Awesome, like... awesome show. If anyone in the Charleston area... Uh, hot brethren Jody Carter came out. Hung yeah. out with us. That was cool. Uh, I had met him when I did shows in Myrtle Beach. Um, but then, like, he actually got to come in the green room and hang out. And... um it was like it was like really cool. We were like all like kicking it as like comedians. It felt really cool to see the the hot oh, breath of us sure. hanging out.
1: Yeah, and like the other thing is like, I am such a fan when people treat like comedians like rock stars, and that's yeah. how I felt yeah. at both places. You know what I mean? And like, because the thing is, we don't get that very often. So yeah. when it does happen, yeah. it's like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> yeah like oh there's a green room oh there's a meal
0: included
1: (laughs) yeah like that stuff can't be understated of just like just feeling taken care of so just on both shows i i just love that feeling of just feeling taken care of because you know you know like the other thing is like you're as a headliner i mean you know this like you're also like paying attention to everything so like You don't want to overthink everything at the same time, but also you're thinking about your set and you're thinking about your part of the show, but also you want to make sure you're like present. And so like knowing, like, I feel much better when I'm eating shrimp and, you know, hors d'oeuvres. You know what I mean? Like that just puts me in a much better mood.
0: (laughs) our derves, our oh, nerves our nerves so that so so slick like our nerves and we're not talking about we're not talking about chicken fingers you have to share with the entire lineup of comedians where everyone gets a half we're talking our derves, oh,
1: nerves we're talking free range <laughs> grass-fed grass-fed like when when I get to have anything that has the word biscuit in. It. I mean, I'm just... <laughs> Now we're just rubbing good. it in. Now we're just rubbing Make it in for the people good.
0: that people listening are like, "Oh, but my open mic, I have to pay for stage time."
1: <laughs> when the words marmalade are on the menu. Yes. <laughs>
0: You know, and when the menu is just one page, it's just like oh a specialty menu. You don't flip it through like Cheesecake Factory. It's one page and it's seasonal Oh my god! It but was a seasonal menu. It was a seasonal
1: summer menu. It was seasonal season. summer menu. I was yeah. like, Ooh, I feel yeah. Special.
0: They had yerba mate. You know, your boy, your boy was lit on ginseng that night.
1: I looked at that ca- that caffeine in that bad boy. I was like, all right, Joe.
0: I know I looked at the sugar later and was like, oops, (laughs) it was like a, it was like a soda. I thought it was literally like a green tea. And then I looked at the, the sugar. I was like, oh, good night. It's like 26 (laughs) grams of sugar. That's like your daily value.
1: Wow. I never felt more, well,
0: by golly, that's like your daily value of sugar. You
1: sound like such an old man. And a can of tea. (laughs) What's the tea? That's hilarious. What's
0: the T? What's Goody? <laughs> What's Goody? Maybe. What's Goody? What's the T? Well, let's get to some of y'all's questions. For I see. Sure. Oh, Victoria, ends the building.
1: Hello, Victoria. You got to get to and New let's York, get
0: baby. in. Got some questions, yeah. And we are. We got to end at six, Yoshi, because we're premiering mm-hmm. a new Matt Rife video. That nice. I made for the YouTube channel. We about to start putting out some bangers on this channel, and I'm so excited. So if you are listening to the podcast and not subscribed to the YouTube channel, you gotta go subscribe. It's linked in the show notes. But it's, subscribe. it subscribe. It's about to get litty. It's about subscribe. to get litty. <laughs> Boom. And I'm sorry if that was very loud in your <laughs> ear. Loud, I just it was it, was it felt very it loud. Great. Someone yeah. just startled at work. They're just like, ah. It felt-
1: it felt needed. It felt needed, needed for that. In there. Yeah.
0: That's what's up. Yeah. So let's um let's get to some of their questions here, because we're gonna live premiere that video after this. Um oh it Farley Berg asked, why was Matt Reif hating on Atlanta so much? Well oh, it's I in the video.
1: That. Oh, okay. Nice.
0: I, I address it in the video, but he just doesn't like Atlanta, basically. I mean yeah. he's He said he's been coming here for 11 years and he's never had a good time. And I remember even going and seeing him when he performed here in Atlanta at the comedy theater. And he was saying afterwards that it, all the shows were just very, just like, meh. Like, people were there almost, they were almost like, just like watching him. Like, they weren't really participating or like being like super, like comedy audience. They're almost just there like observing him. Like, oh my gosh, he's real. He's like here in real life like they weren't like great oh, comedy crowds he was saying but i got gotcha. you I, I love atlanta i think that i've had you know i think there's great audiences here but to each their own
1: yeah but i also think it's important to like notice like you know here's the thing i think it's funny that he got roasted for saying something about atlanta but every comedian has a city that they just don't vibe with when you yeah. see a comedian go on tour and then you don't see a city in that mix that's probably a reason <laughs> you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. that like matt rife could do any city he wanted uh and he picked and chose the cities that he believed had his audience i think that's just a smart thing to do
0: yeah i mean all his shows were sold out but that isn't yeah. You th- I think you think matt rife would jive um in atlanta just for coming here so often but you know not everyone to each their own you know
1: yeah and i think it may be different now you know what i'm saying i think he's got a it may be just a different kind of vibe that he needed whereas he wasn't the matt rife from before he's a different matt rife now mm-hmm. you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah and for for people that don't know matt rife is a comedian who went viral on tiktok and now has a sold out world tour no big sold deal. out like oh like all the way breaking records, yeah. Very, yeah. Oh, yeah, breaking venue records and yeah, and yeah. This this is a yeah. He's been doing it like 13 years. So like he came up doing Wild and Out, and he hosted like TRL. Like he he's done some cool things, but even just like I, we uh explored in the video. But just a year ago, he couldn't sell a hundred tickets, and then now he's he he literally crashed Ticketmaster, uh, on his newest tour. So. That that's social media, man. That's the thing. Like I've seen, I've seen comedians at local clubs here, like touring headliners. They've been on late night fifteen times, and there's fifteen people in the crowd. (laughs) But someone comes through from social media, sold
1: to the gills, sold out all weekend. But that just kind of that just kind of confirms, man. Just the industry is changing dude. Like the late night just isn't as does, doesn't hit as hard. You know what I'm saying? Like that's really, yeah.
0: it's, it's good clout. It's a great like yeah. resume builder and it's, it's almost now just for other comedians. And like, if you're like booking a corporate gig or something, like there's more like you could, I think you can raise your rate based on things like that, you know, sure. but for, like moving tickets on the road, yeah, and it, what was interesting is last week's podcast with uh, Neil Banzel, the Booker of Just for Laughs. He was talking about how the the festival is now like Howie Mandel is now a co-owner of it, and like they're really revamping the festival, um, and like how the festival operates. Because for so long it was literally like comedians are coming here because they need the festival, and now because of social media, it's almost like the tables have turned now and like the festival and the industry at the festival now needs the comedians. Like social media has completely flipped the script, which is really interesting to see in real time. Uh, but it was interesting to hear like a booker of the festival kind of share that perspective from the festivals. end. so it's, yeah, it's a very interesting time. It's happening so fast. So it'll be interesting to see what comes of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I even remember somebody from South by Southwest a couple of years ago, uh, it was a booker, I forget who, but they mentioned that like, that the bookers and the clubs don't do that much work anymore. Whereas like, if you can just bring your own numbers, they don't have to do the marketing. It's like, they just provide you a space and yeah. now you're just in essence, making them a little bit of money. But those people in those comics are also getting a bit more dollars because they're like, well, I'm bringing everybody. What are you doing for me kind of thing? So mm-hmm. to your point, the tables have turned.
0: Yep. Yep, exactly. And when I interviewed Gary Abdo, he's a club owner here in Atlanta. He actually used to be Matt Reif's manager for several years. Um, But that's, I mean, that's what he said. Because I asked him, I was like, why do comedy clubs still pay the same as they did in the eighties? And he was basically like, because someone's always going to work for that. Like there's always (laughs) going to be a comedian who's going to host for $50 or $25 or free. Even like some clubs don't pay their host at all or their feature sometimes, or they combine the host and feature and pay them one rate. You know, like those are all things comedy clubs do to like save money and stuff because comedians will do it. But he was basically saying like, Where's the, we'll gun pay you more now? when you make oh. us like when you bring in an audience, when you help my business, then the business will help you essentially, you know, it's, it's, it's For all sure. up to us at this point.
1: Yeah. The curation or the building of comedy comedians at the club level doesn't exist like it used to. What do you mean? Like them, like them cultivating younger comedians com- like, oh, yeah. building up younger yeah. comedians. Yeah like helping a comedian go from a host to a feature to a headliner. You know what I mean? Like, kind of like, I'd probably say the closest to it is the comedy store model of just like, all right, you're going to work this room a couple of times, work the original room, work the main room kind of thing. Like where you get, like you come up in the rooms kind of thing. That just doesn't happen anymore. So
0: yeah, it's, it's all up to us, man. At the end of the day, you know, it's all up to us creating our own opportunities, which is cool yeah, to see. Yeah. Someone like you know, Bobby and Joyce doing their shows, like the Hot Breath really creating their own opportunities mm-hmm. and booking us on their shows as well, which we greatly appreciate.
1: And our wives appreciate it.
0: Yes, and our wives appreciate the bookings. <laughs> which Speaking of, Scott McBrayer said Joel looks like a baby Jeff Foxworthy, so that's nice.
1: I'd love to you see have- that what's our buddy's name that wrote that book i feel like you should have a book and just have mustache like a mustache book of just mustache jokes that would be so hilarious dude. Ah! <laughs> yo i don't hate that let's get
0: chat gpt on that stat
1: <laughs> oh that's just and just take the, every for the last four weeks, every joke that has been said about you just every goes wrote. in that book.
0: Yo, I, I don't hate it.
1: A mustache coffee table book. <sighs> <the> book.
0: <laughs> Oblong Services says evening. Good evening, Oblong Services. Ronnie Alamandadez said, uh, I'm learning fast from this podcast. Thanks a lot. Very nice. Sure. How exciting. All right. Let's keep. Let's get to some more questions here. For those of you listening to the podcast, we do this live stream every single Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time on our YouTube channel and Facebook group. So do join us. And those of y'all watching live, hang out to the end. Because at the end of this, we are going to live premiere our new little mini doc about uh, Matt Reif. So this is going to be so exciting. And how he basically just broke comedy in half, doing it all himself. So the next question I'm seeing. So Chris Unknown has asked a handful. Chris Unknown, do you have a favorite question? We like to answer just one. (laughs) uh, So we have time to answer other people's questions. So do you have a favorite question you would like us to answer? And um, we're happy to do it. So let us know in the comments there, buddy. And Zeb Ballantyne says his question, been working in music... Been working in music comedy into my act. I've been encouraged by season comics to lean into it more. I know some don't want to follow musical acts. Can this limit me in my booking opportunities?
1: I'd, I'd probably say a musical act is kind of refreshing from a comedy perspective. I think the hardest part is don't make it hard for the venue to have to set up music for you. So if you've got an amp and you've got all the equipment and you're just bringing it, that'll make it easier. That way they don't have to like try to accommodate you. You just bring your whole kind of show and make it easier to like set up. So I think that's one good thing, but I don't think it's going to limit you. I think it actually makes you stand out. And if you enjoy it and that's where you find your humor, that's what you got to lean into. Don't worry about getting booked for the sake of because everybody's not doing it get booked based on what's uniquely you and what unique, what you uniquely find funny.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And maybe you want to add a little more to that, but yeah, I would honestly say, yeah, whatever you find funny and you enjoy doing, I mean, do it. That's, that's your time on stage. You know, I don't, I don't think it would limit booking opportunities. Um, I don't, I haven't like done a show or like worked a club where they're like, I don't want a music actor whatnot, but I'm not saying it's not a possibility that a headliner doesn't want you to play music or someone that books the show is like, no, just do your stand up. We don't want your guitar. But as we're talking about social media kind of being the new wave and like creating your own opportunities, a music act is a great way to stand out from other people. It is a good way to also create different styles of content on social media. So even if you're just kind of playing around with it on stage as a comedian think of other ways you can use that skill set into creating like funny music videos or just creating funny parodies of popular music or funny parodies of trending music on social media i know people ride the wave on like social media sounds and things like that those are popular trends to ride so look at how you can capitalize on this outside of the stage as well because it is something that makes you stand out and it's something you can really take full advantage of is me cannot remotely play the guitar despite trying seven times. And I think Yoshi bought a guitar during the pandemic thinking this is it. And then that was that.
1: Yep. And that was that. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like a good idea. Yeah. And I have no music like I'm just not musically inclined in that way. I, I can like sing a little bit, but that was just from like musical theater and just like holding a tone, a tune or whatever, but and actually playing an instrument. Nah. Yeah, Yeah, I actually think the other thing about being musical comedian is you get to do a whole lot more music gigs as well. So you actually get to cross straddle the two worlds. So like if there's an open mic that's musicians, now you get to do that part and just be a musician that does comedy. Very few people are gonna be like, no, we don't want that. They're just like, oh, that's different. And I think you'll get a whole lot. I mean, I think you might get more booked because you are like dipping in more than one pond.
0: It's a really good point there. Very good point. Yeah. See if you can start booking music gigs as well. Um, Very interesting. Nice angle there, Yoshi. Yeah, but go for it, Zeb. I know Zeb's been working hard. I got to meet Zeb when I was up in tennessee a little while ago so i know he's been out there grinding so yeah it's good it's cool to see these these young cats out here always evolving and experimenting and challenging themselves and trying new things and continue to evolve i think that's um that's very that's very exciting people are constantly developing so it's cool to see it in real time and people not just getting complacent you know of like all right i've got this five minutes And we're just going to work it out and then go get drunk at open mics every night and be cool. But that's what I love about hot breath. It's like actually people motivated to actually put what they learn here into practice. So that's very exciting. And uh, speaking of people putting it into practice, uh, Chris Unknown, he picked his favorite question. And Chris, if you have (laughs) other questions, feel free to post them in our Facebook group. There's been a lot of great discussions going on in our facebook group it's we post a daily word of the day in there and do like a right 10 club joke contest but people are people are really generating a lot of good discussions in here asking good questions and people really connecting and helping each other out so i'm loving to see the group start to evolve and become beyond just like joke writing but also more supportive beyond that so that's cool to see yeah. um so chris's question the one chris picked um any famous comedian autobiographies you recommend
1: um yeah i was just looking it up i think uh mine i've got two on the list uh which is kevin hart's autobiography Mm. which i think is so good Mm -hmm. um i can't make this up he actually reads it too yeah Um, audiobook's good uh and Tina Fey's Bossy Pants. Ooh, Those are my two. I mean, there's like old school ones. like, uh, Yeah, there's some old school ones, but those Steve two. Steve Martins I think is
0: really good.
1: Like. Steve Martins is obviously amazing.
0: Steve but- Martins is like, maybe like the one. That's like, I feel like that's like the go-to comedian auto- autobiography. For sure. Um, that he just gets into the weeds on his whole journey. I created a dope YouTube video about him and why he quit comedy as well um so his is like the number one that's probably the first comedy book i read i think was actually his and he also reads the audiobook on that one as well nice um that's honestly the only one that comes to mind i listened to the kevin hart one um i haven't really read many though Um, i may be missing some but that's a good start you know you don't because you're yeah. most likely not going to even read any of them. You know, you're just going to hear the titles and then be like, oh, that's cool. And then just never do anything about it for most people that hear this right now. So I think four is a good um, baseline yeah. to start with. For uh, sure. But I know a lot of comics have autobiographies, but I haven't really read. I haven't really read many. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's a good start, dude.
0: Yeah. I'm just trying to even look. That's a good start. Amy Poehler's Uh, Yes,
1: Please is also phenomenal. Oh, nice. Yeah.
0: Oh, and he said he read Kevin's book. It's good. Yeah, it's very good. It adds a lot of good perspective to you. see Kevin Hart and you just assume one thing, but how he got to where he is is is, completely through perseverance.
1: Just hustle to a hardcore level.
0: The, The night, the day he... Filmed his Comedy Central special, he he was bouncing checks at a hotel so his family could stay. <laughs> like he was writing checks he knew would bounce because yeah. they were in town. Like it, it, I mean, yeah, there's, yeah, there's a lot. And it, you know what it came down to for Kevin is his friends and yep. surrounding himself with supportive, collaborative comedians, which is what mm-hmm. the Hot Breathiverse is all about. So, <laughs> I mean. You know, no big deal. No big deal. So keep going kids. Cause I'm, I'm excited. We're seeing a few starting to see a few people from the hopper at the verse starting to bloom and blow up, but I know we're just getting started. Just um, getting started. Uh, but it is, it is cool to see that it's, uh, it's working. It's very cool. It just takes time. You know, it just takes time. Uh, Oh, and he said, uh, Oz Moore said Trevor Noah's is great. I did read Trevor Noah's. I did read that one, actually. So, yeah, that's another good one. Um, good call there, Oz. Um, next pregunta here. Uh, oh, Oz actually had a question. Um, just got my own open mic. Oh. <laughs> Snap. Congrats mm, mm, Oz, mm, 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 just got my own open mic. Very nice. Congratulations. Every comedian should host an open mic at least like once just to know, you know, how terrible it is. So when you go to other open mics, you're a little bit more grateful and appreciative and a little kinder and less annoying to the host of when am I going up? Can I go up early? I know I was late, but can I go up next? and all that complaining that happens at open mics host one and you will never do it again uh but most importantly hosting is the best way to get better faster hosting and we've we've talked about it countless times on here but hosting is going to level you up faster than anything i would say you get more stage time you learn how to engage an audience be more conversational on stage it just helps you in so many ways um but his question Uh, Just got my own open mic Listen to the Josh Black episode Josh Black's episode is Straight bars He's a hot breather Met him years ago And then he blew up in Nashville He's been selling out Zanies there like every month He's got brand deals Like this is a guy who Built an audience In his city And has just been able to Quit his day job And make a complete career He was at the Country Music Awards And stuff like this is a guy who was like, Hey, I'm going viral in my city and I'm going to make a good living. So we talk about Matt Reif just blowing up all over the world, but there's, there's different ways to do this. So there's different ways to use social media to create your own opportunities. It's not just like, Oh, let me go viral everywhere, but in your own town, can you create content that maybe goes viral? And then you start getting local sponsors and things. You can make a living just in your own town, social media. So I say all that to say, um, Josh Black episode where he says, to get better, run your own open mic. Any advice on making the mic the best? I have a lot of warm energy, so I'm very welcoming.
1: I mean, I think the big thing about the open mic is, uh, number one, professionalism. Start at the time that you say you're going to start. Let people know that it's happening. Uh... Like open mic, like just the first couple of words that should come out of your mouth at every open mic should not even be jokes. It's about making people feel like this is what's happening. This is what you're about to get. We've got some great comedians. Just get people into a really good mood should be like the first things that come out of your mouth. And then you can go into jokes, but just setting expectations. So I think just that professionalism, setting expectations. Hosting is an art form and you're going to get better the more that you do it, but it's about setting a mood. And so when you set that mood, everyone's going to ride off that energy. If you're negative, that if you're negative as a host, the open mic is going to be negative. If you're positive Mm -hmm. as a host, the open mic is going to be positive. Like just setting that mood and making sure that you are, you know, just giving shout outs to the To the venue, like, they care about that stuff. They want to know that you want to be there. So if you show up and you're, like, late or show up and you're not organized, they remember that stuff. So just remember, like, set that tone. Um, And just, yeah, I think that's the big thing is, like, don't be afraid to set the tone of just the mood.
0: Yeah. Your job as the host is really just to set a fun vibe and expectation for the show, not even necessarily to kill. But I saw Oz said, yeah, his hosting has really helped his crowd work. So, yeah, I mean, it's a good—hosting is great just to practice interacting with the crowd. Like, your job is not to murder. It's literally, like, setting a fun tone and exciting, welcoming environment and setting up the other comics to succeed, basically. So, definitely that. Like Yoshi said, starting on time is crucial. So, get to your show early. Make sure everything is set up making the mic the best it can be is literally like making sure the seating is set up in a way to where people in the audience are actually like facing there. Or if you need to bring in extra chairs and make it look like an actual like show. And it's not just a bunch of like scattered chairs or tables, like really set it up to succeed. If you can kind of orient the room to be facing the stage as much as possible, that's really going to help, help people's focus As sometimes at open mics people are just randomly there at the venue they don't even know there's gonna be an open mic so the more you can kind of set up the show and the seating to really like tailor to giving attention to the stage the the more the audience will be more lenient on like oh we weren't here for this but we're kind of into it now
1: yeah and one thing I remember Ava from Montreal mentioning and she runs an amazing show up there I think that's like a monthly show she's got brand deals as well and she's doing jfl as she mentioned is like remember an open mic or whatever show that you're running think of it as an experience what kind of experience do you want to leave people with and if you run it in that way that you want to leave them with an experience it'll put you in the right set of mood outside of just getting your jokes done like don't think of an open mic as just a place just to do your jokes open mic is going to help you be more professional open is going to help you really know how to deal with bookers know how to deal with venues open mic is going to help you with crowd work open mic just gives you so much like leeway and adds so much to your repertoire more than other things so yeah i think when you do that you can gold can happen for you yeah, Ava
0: has been on the pod twice and she drops a lot of gems. She started a grassroots show up in Montreal that is in JFL this year, so she's a great resource. And she loves hearing from y'all. So shoot her a DM. Let her know you heard her on Hot Breath. Um, all right, so let's get oh, and Jerry said Hot Breath has an online course for hosting. Yes, we do. <laughs> We have a workshop all about hosting as well. Yep. And a full class that teaches you how to like find the right venue, how to promote the show, how to book a killer lineup, all those sort of things. Um, So let's get to these last few here because we are going to get out of here. We're about to live premiere the Matt Reif video. So if you're listening to the podcast, go to our YouTube channel and watch this video. It's going to change the way you are doing your whole comedy hustle this is a guy that built his own success and he really gives you the blueprint to do it yourself. Um, crack myself up getting a chance to run an open mic. Very nice. Another hot breath of running an open mic. Any tips on getting a crowd in addition to comics? So marketing the show basically. So a few ways off the top of my head, um and let let's keep this tight. Uh, few things off the top of my head. Wherever your wherever your show is in that town, do the does that town have a Facebook group? A lot of towns have Facebook groups now. Um, do they have local calendars? Like, does the city you have other like event calendars and things like that? You can find. Um, Eventbrite is a good place, even if it's a free show, posting your show on Eventbrite, people may search comedy on there and then see your event and want to go to it type deal. That's a good marketing one. And then booking, this is not reliable, but it is an option of like booking comics that know people. I wouldn't really say for an open mic, like a book show, I would say maybe try to find that leverage more um, and work out a deal with that comic. But open mic, I think you just kind of hit the local uh, other spots around that venue as well. If there's another bar or different places you could hang flyers or whatnot. But I will say the number one thing is going to be word of mouth. So number one thing is market as much as you can put on a great show, a great experience, make sure you get people's emails that are at that show, make them feel welcome and encourage them to tell their friends to come back to the next open mic word of mouth, even in this digital age, especially on like a local show, word of mouth is going to be your best marketing.
1: Yep. Those are all great. I, the only thing I would probably add, is uh, online like Facebook ads, um, mm-hmm. where you can localize uh, ads in the area. I remember Ian Aber, who is the booker for Laughing Skull, when he was running shows. When he runs, he runs other shows locally as well. He's talking about how he does deals like a month out, and then the week right before he'll do like another deal. There's very many ways to like just hook up from an online perspective uh, to try to get people to come out. Um, I also find like next door is a great place to advertise. Mm-hmm. If you've got like just locals, cows, mm-hmm. um, I mean, in Georgia, we've got this thing called patch, anything that's like what to do in your city that week or that weekend are also great places to advertise. Um, just because people look on things all over the place. So you just never know what's gonna stick. So online is a great place to do a lot of advertising.
0: Yeah, that's a little masterclass right there. And uh, the final one from Ronnie. Have you ever freestyled a whole set not knowing what you're going to say? Do any big comics do this? Uh, I would certainly not recommend this for, like, newer comics. Um, I mean, I've done... I've done like, there's a show called Setlist where they put up recommendation. They put up like a word and then your job is to riff on it type deal. I've done a show like that. So that was all freestyled. I've done, mm-hmm. I will weave in freestyle, but I don't like, I'm not going to go up there on a, a booked show at least and be like, all right, I'm just going to make all this up on the spot. Like very few comics do that at a very high level. I think Billy Connolly was known to do that. He's like, See, Scottish comic, I think he's mm-hmm. a killer, he's awesome. But, um, yeah, I would. Oh, snap! Oh, the it's countdown for the Matt Wright video started. Um, oh, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, I have. Yeah, I mean,
1: I would say reliable. it does happen. I wouldn't recommend you do it if you're starting out in comedy, but yeah. I think the biggest thing you could do is just be prepared for anything and everything
0: va 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 boom and it's all incremental it's like one thing at a time you know it's um just work get good at one thing at a time i think early on your career get really good at writing just focus on building your stage presence and the freestyling stuff will develop from having the confidence on stage and the material that you know if i'm freestyling i know i have reliable material to fall back on if this fails Yeah. yeah you know what i mean so it's all a process you know one bite at a time for sure um but this was a goodie i tell you what
1: boom boom
0: oh boom. we got a super Ow. chat from farley Ow. farley burgess gave us a super chat let's go
1: oh with the with the question
0: with the share one <laughs> my question is should you do your jokes on social media do a great video of you telling your jokes at home in your own environment could get you booked, etc. Well, I've seen two different ways. Some comics will literally, like, just do their material, but as it's like a rant into their phone, yeah. just like a talking head thing. Yep. Um, but gosh, I mean, if you—that's tough, man. I think that's why people are posting crowd work, because they don't want to burn it their material— difficult. Yeah, nice. it feels
1: natural. I mean, I would say here's here's what you know about social media. We don't know anything about it. We don't. Nobody knows the algorithm. Nobody knows what's working, what's not working. I've seen it work every single which way possible. So whatever is comfortable for you, just do that. Yeah. Vavoom.
0: So, boom. my friends, I just pinned the video to where you can go watch Matt Reif his new video called How Matt Rife Broke Ticketmaster Overnight. Yeah. I forgot the title. It may be different by the that time was it. you see it. That was We're going to see. That was it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we do this live stream every Tuesday, everyone. So please, if you're listening to the podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Tell your friends when you're at open mics. Hey, Hot Breath is the best comedy resource in the game. And we'll be back next Tuesday. We love you all so much.